It was a fun weekend of the Birdland Caravan, which means it's closer and closer to spring training. And with that came a lot of Orioles news and notes, including their non-roster invites, some news about some pitchers, and some hitters as well. And we'll get to it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, February 6th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, it is an Orioles news and notes pod here on a Monday as we recap all the news and notes we got from the Birdland Caravan this weekend. As the Orioles from Thursday through Sunday traveled around the state of Maryland with different front office executive coaches and players going to different spots, meeting and greeting, chatting with fans and media. It was a very fun weekend to see the caravan back for the first time since 2020. It was a lot of fan excitement and a good way to kind of kick off the fact that we are less than two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting in Sarasota late next week. They will be down there February 15th. We're nine days away from uh, really the baseball season, kind of feeling like it is getting started. And so today, wanted to take a look at uh, some news and notes that pertain to spring training coming up, including the Orioles announcing last week their list of non-roster invitees to big league spring training. We'll break down that list of guys and break them into three categories. Then we'll talk about some pitchers. Mike Elias had some comments about the starting rotation. Also some bullpen news about Nick Vespi as well. And then we'll talk about the hitters a little bit. Had some news about Taron Vavra's offseason, Heston Kerstad's plans, and a little talk about Colton Kowser being ranked a little lower on some recent prospect lists. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So let's jump right into it. An Orioles news and notes episode here on a Monday. So we are into February. We're closer and closer to spring training. And that means not only do all 40 players currently on the Orioles 40-man roster go to big league spring training and of course compete for a spot on the 26-man opening day roster, but you also always get some non-roster invites. And the Orioles have a pretty lengthy list this year of guys who are not on the 40-man roster who were invited to compete in big league spring training. There are 30 players in total, so the O's will have 70 guys total in spring training, although a couple of those guys with injuries, uh, John Means and Seth Johnson will not be competing early. Nick Vespi will be out in the early part of spring training as well. So they'll be about in the mid-60s of players competing in big league spring training on the field. But you always look at these non-roster invites and you think, well, a couple of these guys you know, could potentially be on the opening day roster. Now, the thing I will say to start, this feels like the first time in a while. I mean, even including the Buck years, the last time the O's were good going into spring training, you know, even 2016, 2017. This feels like the first time in a while where I feel pretty confident that the Orioles' entire 26-man opening day roster will come exclusively from the current 40-man roster. Now, 
Obviously, the O's could still sign another major league free agent. Mike Elias mentioned that over the weekend, that the O's still had some feelers out there, and it was certainly possible that either before or during spring training, the O's could bring in another big league free agent. It would probably either be a reliever or maybe like a left-handed hitting outfielder, I would guess. You know, And Elias said there's not a lot of great free agents left, but they're still talking to some guys. Now, obviously, if they do that, it won't be all 26 from the current 40-man. They could still certainly make a waiver claim or two before opening day. But in general, I don't feel great about any of these 30 non-roster invitees actually making it on the opening day roster. That's because I feel the Orioles' 40-man roster is a whole lot stronger than it has been in recent years. But wanted to just take a look at these 30 guys, kind of break them into three categories. Guys who I think will compete for an opening day spot. Prospects who are, you know, maybe have an outside-outside chance, but generally just here to get a shot. And then the depth guys as well. So let's start with the guys who compete for an opening day spot for the Orioles. I think eight of these 30 guys at least have a somewhat realistic chance of getting on the opening day roster. The first group of those guys are kind of the minor league deal slash waiver claim guys who could play some first base, have big league experience, and hit left-handed. That's Franchi Cordero, Nomar Mazzaro, Ryan O'Hearn, and Lewin Diaz. I think all four of those guys certainly have a chance. I mean, obviously, O'Hearn, the Orioles traded for him after he was DFA'd by the Royals, has had, you know, kind of extensive big league time with Kansas City, but really hasn't been good. They finally got him through waivers, got him off the 40-man, but kept him in the organization. He'll have a chance. Lewin Diaz, as we know, was, you know, DFA'd and claimed multiple times by the Orioles this offseason. Finally got him into AAA. Great defensive first baseman. Bad is still a question. And then Cordero and Mazzara, I think, are the top two guys on this list who have a chance to make the opening day roster. Both are big-time power left-handed bats who can play some first base and play the corner outfield as well. Those are really everything the Orioles are still looking for if they're trying to add another hitter to the roster. Cordero and Mazzara each have extensive big league experience as well, and although their bats have fallen off recently, Mazzara has been a little better at the plate historically and recently as well and has more experience. I think they both definitely have a chance to make this roster. I think it's an outside chance, but I think both of them definitely have a chance just with the left-handed power that they bring. And then I would say in terms of prospects, I feel like there's one guy that has a chance, and that would be Jordan Westberg. Now, if you're just looking at the prospects in general, I think Joey Ortiz honestly has a better shot of making the opening day roster than Westberg, just because Ortiz is already on the 40-man roster. Orioles had to do that this offseason to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. And although you could argue Westberg is closer to the big leagues because he's had more AAA time than Ortiz has, and, you know, he was the Orioles minor league player of the year last year. He's currently not on the 40-man because he didn't have to be this offseason. And so that could weigh the factors. I don't think either of those guys is going to make the opening day roster. I think they'll both start the year along with Connor Norby uh, in the Norfolk Tides infield and, and playing every day, hitting at the top of the lineup. But I think Westberg is the only guy who has a legitimate chance, you know, if there's an injury or even if there's not, you know, maybe there's a trade of a guy like Ramon Arias. But if there's an injury to any of those infielders, I think Westberg could certainly have a shot to get onto the roster. And then I put three of the kind of relief type pitchers on here. Obviously the Orioles bullpen, it's going to be really tough to get spots in that bullpen coming out of opening day. But if there is an injury or two or a couple guys really fall flat in spring training, I think Cole Uvila, who the Orioles brought in in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft last year, pitched pretty well all year in AAA last season with Norfolk. I think he has a shot. 
Um, I would add Edward Bizzardo to that list, right-hander who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal this offseason, spent some big league time with success with the Red Sox last year. He's got some good stuff. And then Morgan McSweeney, who was drafted by the Orioles, spent all of last year in AAA Norfolk in the bullpen, has some really interesting stuff, and I think he does have a chance if he pitches well in big league spring training. But those, I think, are the eight guys who have a chance. Then you've got the prospects who the Orioles are giving a look to. We'll start with the pitchers, headlined by Cade Povich, who was named a top 100 prospect last week, was ranked number eight on the Fangraphs list of Orioles prospects by Eric Longenhagen. He's got a lot of helium right now. And all of those lists writing that they think Povich has a shot to be in the Orioles rotation by the end of 2023. I think there's pretty much no chance he makes the opening day roster, but it'll be cool to see him here. The Orioles got Chris Valamont to stay in the organization after DFAing him. He'll get a shot at big league spring training. Ryan Watson, the 2022 Orioles minor league pitcher of the year, will get his shot. And then Cade Stroud as well. Kind of a name coming out of nowhere. Orioles 2019 draft pick. Had some surgeries, some injuries, but came back last year and was throwing 98 and now at 25, he's going to get a chance in big league spring training. He'll probably start the year in Bowie, but it'll be good to see him get a look. And in terms of the hitters, you got Maverick Hanley there as a catcher. Then you got the the real prospect names. Jackson Holiday getting a chance is going to be awesome. The Orioles' number one pick of 2022, 19 years old. He's going to be in big league spring training. That's how good this guy is. Now, there is no way he's making the opening day roster. And frankly, there's no way he plays in the big leagues in 2023. But 2024 is a possibility for Holiday. That's how good he is. Kobe Mayo getting a shot who, you know, should start the year in AA, and we should see him in AAA by the end of the year. Don't think he has a big league shot this season, but really, really big power and a lot of helium from him. Hopefully he stays healthy this year. Connor Norby will get a chance as well. Again, end of the year at AAA last year. I think that's where he'll start the season, but he's certainly got a big league chance this year. It'll be good to see him against big league pitching. And then you got Cesar Prieto in there. I'm not sure about him as a prospect at this point, but hey, he's going to get a shot. You know, he's a little bit older as well. And then you got the two outfielders in Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad. Obviously, Kowser, you know, putting up good numbers in AAA. He should be close to the big leagues at some point this season. A little bit more on him later in this episode. And then maybe the coolest name on this list is that Heston Kerstad is coming to big league spring training for the first time after, you know, all the medical things and all the injuries he's dealt with and, and finally put up some good numbers last year in the minors and then in the Arizona Fall League. He dominated this fall. He should start the year in double-A Bowie. We'll talk about him a little bit later as well, but really an exciting name to see on this list. And then you round it out with just the depth guys. You know, in terms of the pitchers, you've got Wanda's and Charles, Kyle Dowdy, Reed Garrett, O'Freddy Gomez in that list. All guys who the Orioles signed to minor league deals this offseason. They'll be kind of relief depth in AAA Norfolk or maybe even AA Bowie this year. You got the catcher depth with Anthony Bemboom, who was obviously the O's backup for a bit last year before Adley came up. Mark Colesbury, who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Reds this year. And then Ramon Rodriguez, who's been really important as a minor league catcher in the O's system for a couple years now. None of those guys are going to make the roster unless there's an injury because the O's catchers are pretty much set with Adley Rutschman and James McCann. But those guys can definitely provide depth, and you need multiple catchers in big league spring training. Then, you know, you move on to... The infielders, Josh Lester and Curtis Terry, a couple of first basemen who the Orioles signed to minor league deals this offseason. Right-handed hitters, so they have a little bit of less of a chance 
of making the team. They also have much less big league experience than guys like Franchi Cordero and Lewin Diaz and Ryan O'Hearn, but they're going to be there for depth. And then in the outfield, you've got Daz Cameron, who the Orioles brought in off waivers from the Tigers this offseason, former top prospect who just has never really worked out, but good defense, good speed, he'll be depth. And then it was nice to see Robert Newstrom still also on this list. You know, he we thought could get to the big leagues last year, but really had a disappointing 2022 in Norfolk. Good to see him, you know, despite not being on the 40 man, still be in big league camp and at least get a shot to prove he belongs to, to stay in Norfolk and still have a shot of getting to the big leagues with the Orioles. But that's your look at the 2023 spring training non-roster invitees for the Orioles, the 30 guys that will be joining big league camp down in Sarasota. And as I said, I still don't think any of them will make the roster on opening day. I think Mazzara and Cordero have the best chance. But, you know, if one of them really puts on a show, there's certainly an opportunity to uh, definitely make that opening day roster. But some of those players that I just mentioned, they got talked about this weekend as well at the Birdland Caravan, along with many of the Orioles' best players. Because it wasn't just a you know cool weekend for the fans, it was also a way for Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde to talk to the media a couple times and really get some insight into the team going into spring training. So coming up next, we're going to take a look at uh, some notes about the Orioles' pitchers that came out about the starting rotation, Grayson Rodriguez, Nick Vespi, and others. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And we are so excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, well, that is even better because if you're new, you can now bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You just got to download the FanDuel app and you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Now, taking a look at the Super Bowl right now, the FanDuel odds have the Philadelphia Eagles as one and a half point favorites in this game. Honestly, I'd take the Eagles minus one and a half. I think they'll win by about a field goal. I really like this Philadelphia team. And the best thing about the FanDuel Sportsbook app is that it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. That's what makes the app so easy. They show you your winnings. You can get them whenever you want. They got the face ID to make things safe. You can log right into the app anytime and place your bets. It's super, super easy to use. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So we're back here on an Orioles news and notes episode here on a Monday, taking a look back at everything said and done from the Birdland Caravan this weekend. Just looked like an awesome, awesome event. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to any of the events this weekend, but obviously saw all the pictures, all the videos, read all the articles. It seemed like it was a huge success at the caravan and a lot of fan interest cool to see the players you know off the field as well getting to know them and uh, a big w for the orioles their pr team and marketing certainly this weekend at the caravan but brandon hyde and, and mike elias were also at plenty of these events and it also gave the media a chance to talk to them and, and get some insight as the orioles go into spring training so i wanted to take a look at some of the notes from the weekend starting with the pitchers and the big thing that mike elias said this weekend is that 12 pitchers currently 
are competing for a starting rotation spot. And while he didn't name those pitchers, as many have pointed out, it was pretty easy to look at who those 12 are because it's all 12 starting pitchers who are currently on the 40-man roster. Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, Tyler Wells, Austin Voth, D.L. Hall, Mike Bauman, Bruce Zimmerman, Spencer Watkins, and Drew Rahm. Those are pretty easily to figure out your 12 with a chance. Now, one thing Elias did give us insight into is that he basically said, yeah, Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin both have a starting rotation spot. And I think that was also pretty easy to sort out as well. When you go after a guy big league-wise in the offseason, especially when you're the Orioles right now, and even though they did add a little bit you know, in free agency and trades this offseason, it's not like they've been big spenders at all over the past half decade. So when they're actually going to get big league guys, you can pretty much know they're going to be slotted into the rotation. You know, Since the O's signed Kyle Gibson to a one-year $10 million deal back in November, I've said you know, 100% he is going to be in the rotation. And then when they made the Cole Irvin trade with the Athletics last week, sending Daryl Hernandez over there, it was the same kind of thing. You know, you know, once they make that trade, they're putting him in the rotation. So that leaves three or four spots. Elias did also say that they have discussed starting the year with a six-man rotation instead of your usual five-man. A lot of teams over the last few years have started with a six-man rotation. But the reason why is over the past couple of seasons with the, the different COVID rules in place, Teams have actually been able to start the year with more players than they get to end it with. So, you know, if you remember back in 2020, there were the 30-man rosters, you know, to start the year. So you had a lot of players. And even in the last two years, teams got to start the year with 28 players on the roster. And then after a couple months or a month or so, they had to cut it down to 26. So when teams had that extra spot they would generally go with a six-man rotation because you could spread guys out more, keep innings down, and especially last year with the lockout, you know, you couldn't have guys fully training, have a full spring training, so they wanted to give guys more pitchers on the roster and take longer to stretch them out. So that's why teams did a six-man rotation. But this year, you've got a normal offseason, and, you know, you're coming in with a normal spring training, and so the year is going to start with 26 players. And because there are the roster limits, you can only carry 13 pitchers on your roster. Elias said that makes it a little tougher to go with a six-man rotation. So the way he's talking, it feels like there might they might do some piggybacking, but they'll probably do a five-man rotation. So you throw Gibson and Irvin in there. Those are pretty much locked up. And Elias did have a lot of comments about Grayson Rodriguez and kind of the kickoff event at Beller High School on Thursday night. And, you know, he said the same thing he said multiple times this offseason. He wants to see Grayson Rodriguez in that starting rotation to start the year and is excited to see him start throwing in spring training. Now, he's not going to guarantee anything because Rodriguez is a rookie who's never thrown a big league pitch. And although he's the Orioles' top pitching prospect and, you know, is one of the top pitching prospects in the game, it's a top 10 prospect in baseball, you can't guarantee anything. And also coming off a significant lat injury that kept him out basically the whole second half of last season, you can't guarantee total health on opening day. So he's not going to guarantee Rodriguez a spot, but it feels like the Orioles are leaning towards giving Grayson a roster spot in the rotation, and they should. I totally agree with that. So that leaves two spots, and you have pretty much two easy answers in those two spots, which is Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer. Kramer was amazing last year, all year for the Orioles, and then Bradish, when he made those changes coming back from the injury, was great. And it kind of feels like if there's no injuries, if the O's do go with a five-man rotation, it's pretty much set who those five players are in Gibson, Irvin, Kramer, Bradish, and Rodriguez. Now, we don't know how they're going to sort it out. There's still a lot of questions about who would start on opening day among those five. 
I mean, I would... Michael Elias didn't rule out that Grayson Rodriguez could start on opening day. He addressed that a bit and, and didn't say it wasn't a possibility. I don't think they would do that for his first big league start, given the ball in Boston. I would honestly think probably Kyle Gibson, just because he started on opening day before and he's the veteran at 35, might get the opening day start with Kramer going number two. I could see Kramer maybe getting the ball as well. They're probably the top two candidates. Not super exciting for an opening day starter, but that's kind of what you got at this point. So... When you look at the other seven rotation options, as I've talked about, I feel like three more of them will probably get some sort of bullpen slash follower slash piggyback role. Those would be D.L. Hall, Tyler Wells, and Austin Voth. I expect all three of those guys to make the opening day roster in some capacity on the pitching staff. And, you know, maybe Hall is a one-inning reliever, or maybe he's a two- or three-inning guy, and maybe the rest of them are, and they piggyback on... Rodriguez, or they piggyback on Braddish just to keep the innings down and, and you know, limit how got much guys throw and, and keep them healthy. I could certainly see that, but those three guys should be in there in some role. But that does leave four of these guys, I think, in AAA Norfolk. I mean, there I think there's a chance Mike Bauman could also win a bullpen spot. I would kind of put him up next. I think almost certainly Drew Rahm will be in the AAA rotation to start the year. And I don't think Bruce Zimmerman is back enough to get a spot, so I think he'll be in the Norfolk rotation. So it basically is down to Watkins and Bauman. Spencer Watkins doesn't really play as well in the bullpen. I think you kind of got to have him in the rotation. So I think he'll be in the Tides rotation as well. Might be the first guy they call up if there's an injury. So then it's basically down to Mike Bauman. You know, how much can he compete? How well can he pitch in maybe a one-inning bullpen role to try and make a spot? And if not, he may be in the Norfolk rotation as well. And And you're kind of looking at, at those four guys, and then a, a combination of, you know, maybe some younger guys, maybe a Cade Povich, you know, maybe a, a Ryan Watson into the starting role, um, some guys like that getting a chance at Triple A. But it's going to be interesting because you got 12 guys competing, and, and I think four of them, three or four of them, are, are going to end up in Triple in A Norfolk as well. But that's how I see the rotation playing out. As far as the bullpen goes, really the only piece of news we heard this weekend was from Nick Vespi, who was at the Birdland Caravan course. He went underwent hernia surgery earlier this offseason. When the surgery happened, you know, the, the report was that opening day was, was certainly in question. He would be ready at some point early in the season, but maybe not opening day. But Vespi did speak to reporters over the weekend and did say that he will not be able to compete in the World Baseball Classic, he had previously committed to play for Team Italy, but uh, he will no longer be able to do that because of the injury. But he left the door open for potentially being ready for opening day. Now, the thing with Nick Vespi is he's not a slam dunk opening day bullpen guy. He was an up and down reliever last year. I think he's going to be the same thing this year for the Orioles. But if he is healthy and is potentially ready to go on opening day, he's going to be right on that roster bubble. And you, it's another name you can throw in there on the roster bubble of the bullpen with guys like Andrew Politti, the Rule 5 pick, and Joey Crable, and Mike Bauman, like I talked about, to go along. You know, even Keegan Aiken is kind of on that bubble now, along with, with Nick Vespi as well. And even guys like Darwins and Hernandez, the, the left-hander who the Orioles were able to sneak through waivers. He cleared waivers and uh, is now back in AAA Norfolk. He's going to be competing for a spot potentially as well. So you got a lot of those guys in that role, plus the relievers I, I talked about, like Cole Uvala and, and Morgan McSweeney on the non-roster invites. So... It's going to be tough. Vespi's going to be in that mix. I could see him probably starting the year on the injured list just because it makes it easier for roster flexibility because he is on the 40-man. But just another name to put out there, and it's obviously a good thing if he's potentially going to be ready for opening day. 
But we did get some notes about the hitters as well. I wanted to talk about that coming up next to finish off the pod. Taryn Vavra working out at some other positions and some news about a couple of the Orioles' outfield prospects in Kerstad and Kowser. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, well, then you got to try a Built Bar. And we all just got through the holidays, and goals for many of you, I know, to eat a little bit healthier is your New Year's resolutions. Well, Built Bar is perfect because it's actually healthy and it's actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, they're perfect for a New Year's resolution. Well, what makes these Built Bars so good? For starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in amazing flavors like peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, churro, and more. But here's the best part. It's a protein bar that's good for you. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in every bar, but they still make it taste great. I don't know how they do it, but the best part now, and this is new for Built Bar, you don't have to wait around to get the box in the mail. Now, you can still go to Built.com and order your Built Bars, but now there's other ways to get them. You could walk into Walmart, grab a four-bar box, maybe get a cookies and cream and a coconut puff, or you can go to Sam's Club as well, run in. Grab a bigger 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. And trust me, you can thank me later. So you can go to Built.com or you can go to Walmart or go to Sam's Club and get your hands on those delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So to wrap things up here on an Orioles News and Notes podcast, wanted to get to some hitter notes quickly from the Birdland Caravan and from the weekend as a whole. Starting with Taryn Vavra, who was part of the caravan this weekend as well and uh, chatting with reporters and talking about how much he's worked defensively at first base this offseason which is a little interesting remember when the Orioles traded Trey Mancini last year before they signed Jesus Aguilar to kind of be the backup first baseman to Ryan Mountcastle down the stretch Taron Vavra was working out at first base defensively Anthony Santander was doing the same and Vavra was ready to play first base if the O's needed him and the Orioles have talked about this offseason how they wanted kind of a left-handed first base option on the team as well, preferably a guy who could play a little outfield. That's why they signed Franchi Cordero. That's why they signed Nomar Mazzara. That's why they got Lewin Diaz and Ryan O'Hearn. But if Taron Vavra could be the backup first baseman, that gives you more roster fl- flexibility because I don't think Vavra is a lock to make the opening day roster right now, but he's certainly in a good spot to get one of the final spots on the bench. And not only can he play second base, shortstop, little third base, He can play the corner outfields. He can play center field at a pinch. If he can add first base to that resume, which the Orioles might want a left-hander who can play a little first base. And hey, you know, if he can make five, ten starts at first base for the Orioles this year, that would be huge for this roster, especially because I think you can trust him more at the plate than guys like Cordero and and Lewin Diaz at this point in their careers. So if they can get him to play some first base, that's huge for roster flexibility. And what that does, it allows you to keep really a guy like Ryan McKenna and Kyle Stowers and keep them both on the opening day roster because they both bring different things to this Orioles roster off the bench and allows you to keep both those guys if Vavra can play first base as well. We know Mike Elias loves versatility defensively for his players. This would be huge for Vavra if he can at least be trusted at first base if they need to send him out there. But other guys that talked to the caravan were Heston Kerstad. Again, it's awesome to see him on the non-roster invitees list. Awesome to see him on some top 100 prospect lists last week. Also, great to see him healthy. You know, both 
physically baseball injuries and just his general health. And he talked about how he even feels better than he felt in college at Arkansas before all this stuff started, before the Orioles took him second overall in the 2020 draft. And I think he's finally fully healthy heading into this big league spring training. Again, he's not going to make the roster. He hasn't even played in double-A yet. He's going to start the year in double-A buoy. He could certainly get to triple-A by the end of the year, but... Kerstad talked about his goal, and he thinks he can get to the big leagues by the end of 2023, which would be amazing. He's still got big-time pop at his bat, still got a lot of stuff going well for him. Fangraphs, Eric Longenhagen, putting out their top 38 Orioles prospect list on Friday. Had Kerstad ranked number eight, some of the highest we've seen him ranked in a little while, really since the draft and since all the injuries and the health problems. That's huge. He's got that big bat from the left side. He can play a corner outfield position. Really excited to see him get going this year, but kind of on the flip side of that is Colton Kowser. And we saw some concerns. I know Keith Law did not put Kowser in his top 100 prospects after other outlets had had Kowser in the, in the top 40 and even as high as 30 in baseball. And then it looks like Eric Longenhagen also does not have Kowser in his top 100. And frankly, he has him pretty far out. He ranked Kowser as the number 12 prospect in the Orioles system which is the first time since Kowser's been drafted that he's been outside of the Orioles' top 10, really, on any prospect list. And Eric Loggenhagen is probably the number one guy I trust in terms of evaluating prospects. And he wrote about really two things that put him down at number 12. Number one was some concern in the swing and miss in his game. You know, it wasn't really a part of his game in 2021, but as he moved up the ranks in the Orioles' system last year, finishing in AAA, he did swing and miss more and more, and Longenhagen's a little concerned by that. And he also said he's not as sure now as he was a year ago that Kowser can stick in center field defensively. He said he's going to be a perfectly fine, he thinks, corner outfielder when he gets to the big leagues, but not quite sure he's a center fielder. And he said a lot of value for players is in their ability to be a good defensive center fielder. It ups their value a lot. If they turn into a corner outfielder, that knocks their future value, and I think that's why he went down to 12th. Now, I don't want everyone to freak out and think Colton Kowser is going to be a bust at this point. He's still the number 12 ranked prospect in an amazing Oriole system. You look at that Fangraphs list, the 11 players ranked ahead of him, I think could all be impact major leaguers. So this isn't a super huge slight on Kowser. It's obviously a little lower than you'd like to see him ranked, but the rankings that matter really, first of all, the Orioles internal rankings versus anything else. But I think those are fair evaluations, fair concerns. Do I still think Colton Cowns is going to be a good big leaguer? Yes. Will he be a perennial all-star? Maybe not, but that's okay. Number 12 in the O's system right now is still a guy who's going to be a really good big leaguer. You know who was one spot behind Colton Cowser? Judd Fabian at number 13. And that dude lit up the low minor leagues last year after being drafted. Everybody's in love with him, and he's still below Colton Cowser on this list. So that tells you how good this Orioles system is. And even though he's ranked a little bit lower... Read Long and Hagen stuff. He's very well informed. He's not just watching one game and putting out some random evaluation like Keith Law does. And take it in. Don't immediately attack. Realize what he's saying and realize, hey, it makes sense. Because Long and Hagen put at the end of his write-up on Kowser, he said, other evaluators think Kowser can stick in center field. And those evaluators, because of that, have him more in the top 10 of the Orioles prospect list. Longenhagen just said, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to stick in center field. But if you do, he should be higher ranked. I think that's how you should evaluate prospects, kind of have those caveats. And it may be kind of trust that opinion even more. I still believe in Kowser, But again, he's had time to work. I think he's going to have a great year in AAA and will get to the big leagues at some point this season. But that'll do it for today's episode. We thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, on iTunes, Apple Pods, Spotify. 
We also got a mailbag episode coming up later this week, so you can leave a mailbag question in the review section on Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. You can leave mailbag questions in the comments as well. We're getting very close to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Once we get there, we can do some really cool Orioles giveaways, but you have to be subscribed to get those O's giveaways. And then, of course, just make sure you're listening to the pod here. This is our final week of three podcasts a week. We'll be most likely coming to you Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week, unless there's some breaking news. And then starting next Monday, because next week, Pitchers and Catchers Report, we are back to five episodes a week here on the pod, getting you all your Orioles news, analysis, reaction, everything you need as the O's go to Sarasota, and we get closer and closer to opening day. So I'll be back on Wednesday. Looks like I'll be potentially opening up the mailbag for that one. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.